Welcome back to Hire 2022, everybody. Yes, and today on the show is a very special guest showing us the ins and outs of how to turn what looks like career failure into a beautiful success story. Now, this is a podcast full of wicked stories from the job market and experts showing us how to succeed in it. Because we've all been there, haven't we? It's time to get unstuck. It's time to make some change. It's time to leave. Let's go get it. We have, I will try to pronounce his name properly, we've got Duarte Guerrero. He's Portuguese, it's very complicated. On the show today, what? <laughs> yeah, but you have to start learning more Portuguese, so come on, get going. GG we'll call him for now, okay? GG, GG is here. <laughs> yes, we do have Duarte on the, on the show today. And Duarte worked with me for a couple of years, and yeah, he's moved on to, to a really cool job. I'm really excited about this one. And um, he's left you behind, like myself. But uh, no, Duarte is the global head of social media at Coca Cola HBC, which mm-hmm. is a huge post, huge company. What makes him so interesting, especially for this month on the Higher Career podcast that deals with the concept of failure and how we often perceive just change to be failure is that he has had a wild career journey he's worked blue collar he was a chef he worked in construction and then finally decided to become the global head of social media so (laughs) it's certainly an interesting character to dive into finally decided well we can we can have a link about that maybe he just made his way there right because we're all on our little journeys and we end up in these special places and we will talk about connecting and connecting people and i think and i feel that's one of the reasons why he is where he is at right now so yeah delighted to have him on the show looking forward to sharing it with you yes dear audience member if that sounds like your cup of tea stay tuned and do artists here and let's go get it We have got Dwight in the building. Yes, can't wait for this one, Tom. Neither can I. We're back. It's 2022 and we're here to slay. So thanks, Dwight, for joining us. Um, As per usual, you'll be changing some things um, in the podcast format this year, dear audience members, but the elevator pitch up some tall building. Dwight is in London, so the shard will do. (laughs) Dwight, tell the audience who you are. (laughs) Very happy to be here, guys. Thank you. So I'm going to scream from the shard. (laughs) My elevator pitch, yeah, let's do it, all right. So I'm, I'm, I'm going to start by pronouncing my name exactly as my uh, mother intended me to <laughs> pronounce it. So it's, here we go, and it's, uh, prepare, you guys. Uh, <laughs> but you, you can call me DG afterwards, I promise. Okay. Um, so my name is Duarte Garrido. There you go, it sounds mm-hmm. weird, doesn't Tom, it? Tom, you can try um, that after. I can do that. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm a Portuguese born uh, and raised, but now I call... London home. I'm a father to a four-month-old baby girl and to a five-year-old Tibetan terrier called Bayou. They are the joy of my life and the reason why I work for a living. And that's right. I, I work to live. I do not live to work. Uh, and I think that's a good thing. What do you yeah. work? <laughs> <laughs> what, what do I work in? Yeah. Yeah. What do so you work I'm, in? I'm, so I, I'm currently the global head of social media for Coca-Cola HBC, um, and Fancy. I'll explain. But I, I, I didn't start my uh, my career in social media. 
in fact, I've had many careers before, but I, I will get to that mm. later yes. on too. I'm a jack yes. of many trades. College dropout, gardener, gourmet mm-hmm. chef, movie critic, on-screen reporter, digital marketer. There you go. Welcome I think we've reached the top. Being. Hi, DG. <laughs> we've reached the top, and now DG is the name. <laughs> well, let's get into a bit of history, okay? We're going to dig right in here. The whirlwind journey of... I'm not going to try and pronounce your name correctly, because being Irish, we're not very good. And you know that living in the UK, so we're not so good at languages. So I'm going to call you DG. Tom, you can try it, okay? <laughs> so you and I have worked together for a couple of years. I mean, what was it? Maybe two and a half years? I think. Yeah, um, nearly three years. Yeah. yeah, nearly three years. So I know a little bit of your crazy wild journey and we also spoke before this, obviously. Um, but to our audience out there, and you may think, wow, how, why can't I get my life on a straight path and become head of social media for a big company? Will you please tell us with a short summary and all the wild things that happened in your career that made you get to where you are now today? Sure. Yeah. Yeah. No, I'd, I'd love to uh, delight you with a wrap up of my many, many failures. <laughs> so, all right. I'm going to try and keep this as short as possible. At 18, as a young man in Lisbon, snowboarding through life, um, I went to cinema school. I did one semester and I dropped out. <laughs> and I did another semester of marketing school and I dropped out again. Uh, and then I just decided that college wasn't for me. I hated everything about it. I decided I wanted to do something with my hands, something practical, something useful. Um, at, I, I always enjoyed food. I'm a big foodie. So I decided for that reason only to become a cook. And then from being a cook, I tend to, I became a chef. I worked long hours, I learned my trade, I got exploited, I got into fights in the kitchen, everything you see on TV is real. <laughs> Trust me, it's a horrible environment to work in. Um, so I did, I did that for a few years and then suddenly I had an offer to be a head chef at a fancy new place near my hometown overlooking the Tagus River. And I had an offer put on on a flat right in front of it, walking distance. I was really excited. I was, you know, I was, I was like 21 or 22 at a time. And, um, and it was the start of the rest of my life. And the day I was meant to sign that contract on the house and accept a job offer, uh, I had a bit of a sort of an awakening. I grabbed a bit of cash I had with me and decided to buy a ticket to South America to Argentina, Buenos Aires, and, um, and I, I stayed in South America for four months, almost five, just backpacking around, essentially aimlessly and alone. And that was the best and worst four, years, four months of my life. Um, I lived out of thin air, saw some great things, got hooked on the lifestyle and spent the next two years doing some random jobs here and there just to save enough money to continue my travels alone. Okay. So I did Southeast Asia, did Europe, I did India, I did Nepal. And then suddenly I decided it was time to go back to school and I went back to Portugal um, and, uh, and decided I was going to become an international journalist just because that I thought, okay, this is what's going to allow me to keep traveling and just earning mm-hmm. some money doing what I love, right? It sounded awesome. Uh, so yeah, I go back to Portugal, I get a night job at a warehouse, I do a BA in political science, 
by this point, I'm, I'm old as fuck, you know, I'm by, by far the <laughs> oldest person in the class. <laughs> My family... Well, how old? You couldn't have been that old. You're not old now. I'm, I'm way too old to be, to be in the first year of college, trust me. <laughs> And, and my family has literally just given up on me completely. My friends, you know, use my name as a verb, not, not a good one. And, um, but I finished my BA. You know, I get a, a crappy unpaid internship at a local newspaper. I do that gig for about three or four months. And then I decide to jump ship and flee the country again. And, uh, and that's how I ended up in the UK. I go to Falmouth, Cornwall, of all places, to take an MA in international journalism. Mm-hmm. And that was the best time of my life. I loved it. I, I loved every second of Cornwall. I hope I, I get to die there when I'm old. It's, <laughs> it's a lovely place. Uh, anyway, six months through my MA, and my, my teacher, just she liked me so much that she gets me an internship at Reuters in London. Wow. So I go, I do my internship. They like me. They start giving me freelance gigs. Um, eventually hire me to integrate like a little startup project within Reuters, which would become the agency's first direct-to-consumer video app. I do that for a while. I start voicing some some pieces. Uh, get pissed on because my accent sucks, as you can tell. Uh, but I persevere. I start appearing on screen as an on-screen reporter. I do I do some artsy stuff. I cover film festivals, Cannes, Venice, Berlin. I do a bit of film reviewing. I cover the Olympics in Rio. And then eventually I get a gig at Sky News to run their entertainment section on the website. And I do that for a while. And then I realize, hey, why are my articles being amplified on social media without any input from me? You know, And I realized that the, the, the whole newsroom works in a silo. So you've got digital on one side, social media on the other side. The two don't talk to each other. Reporters write their pieces. They go online and then they sort of lose control over the final product. So I decide to bridge that gap between social and editorial. And then suddenly a position opens to run the social media operation at Sky News and I just go for it without any knowledge of social media whatsoever, zero. And for some weird reason, I get the job. <laughs> and I watch and I learn. And I, the beard. I'm sure it was the beard. I'm sure it was the beard. I mean, it's got to be something. I don't know what it was. But, but I decide to come in humbly, you know, uh, had my hand. I watch, I learn, I trust my team who were doing this years before I got there. And I love it. I love every second of it. So I, I then get the weird opportunity to join the biggest tobacco company in the world who wants to build a social team from scratch to tell the world that they want to stop selling cigarettes and get people to trust them again. Do I want to do that? Hell yeah, I want to do that. It sounds crazy. Let's do it. So yeah, I do it. <laughs> <laughs> so I take a producer and a designer from, 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 from my team at Sky News. I help uh, Philip Morris International assemble a social media operation, operation from scratch. And um, eventually the team becomes so efficient and so well-oiled that I feel like my job has become obsolete and I go on to my next challenge. And I end up where I am now. I become the global head of social media for Coca-Cola HBC. I'm also a corporate advisor for a cool little sustainability-led tech startup called Handprint. You should check it out if you're uh, on e-commerce. And even if you're not, it's a really cool little startup. And I use my own social media presence to uh, sort of teach businesses and C-suite executives on how to leverage social media to build or rebuild trust. 
Jack of all trades and wearer <laughs> of many hats indeed. That's perfect. We definitely um, leave the link to the startup that you are yeah. uh, that you are counseling down in the description box of the uh, show. For anybody out there who doesn't know where that is, just hop into your podcast player. Every episode has a description with useful links and what have you um, right underneath it. So we'll be sure to drop that link in there. So from tallying all of this amazing career journey up correctly and sort of try to codify it, then I end up at, I want to say, Uni, stop. Uni, stop. Chef, head chef, stop. Gig economy and travel, stop. Uni, unpaid internship by Portugal. Uni, unpaid internship, promotion, journalism. I don't think that you mentioned it, but you told us before Rio Olympics. Very exciting. Mm-hmm. Uh, you and Nikki were actually there at the same time or covering yes. it at the same time. <laughs> then right. social media, Fortune 100 companies. All I can say to all of this is, you beast! <laughs> um, we will talk in a bit more detail about the value that each and any um, occupation can have for the next one that um, that follows it. But uh, I just have to ask now already, was there one behavior or one skill that has really helped you excel at all of these different stations, irrespective of whether you work with your hands, blue collar, white collar, and irrespective of the seniority of the job that you've held? Hmm. It's a good question. I don't know if it's a skill, but I, I mean, the, I guess the common link throughout my career has been people. So definitely not a skill, but something that has allowed me to go from one job to the other and get where I am now. I mean, it's funny because for years I was, I was called a misanthrope. As, uh, for listeners who have never heard that word before, it means a uh, loner, someone who doesn't really enjoy the company of people. Mm-hmm. And they were right. Partially, you know, and, and to today I still treasure really with myself above anything else. Mm-hmm. But also I, I don't think I'd be anywhere without people. Um, and connecting with people was always the link. You know, as a blue-collar worker, I, I always, I, I, was, I was very friendly, I smiled, I engaged with customers. And as a white-collar worker, I, I built, you know, I built friendships along the way in every single company I worked in, which helped me jump from one opportunity to the next. Mm. You know, it was actually, it was my professor at Falmouth who got me the gig at Reuters. It was a mentor that I had at Reuters, Reuters editor at large, really nice guy, who got me the gig at Sky. And then it was the guys I I brought in from Sky, uh, which made my success at PMI. So, you know, it's whether it's someone I bring in or someone that brings me in, it's always people who, who carry me uh, and 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 build my success wherever I am, and now here I am, you know, focusing my whole career on people, on building trust, mm-hmm. and trusting your employees wholeheartedly, so you can win their trust back, you know, make your clients trust you and your product, so that you build a community of trust, which ultimately, hopefully, will lead to you having your uh, activist shareholders, which they all seem to be these days, uh, to trust <laughs> you and your company. <laughs> Oh, absolutely. And it's really good bridge into the next part of what we want to talk about. I think um, it's about the straight path, but I think you've spoken about there and we spoke before a lot about the connections and how connections can bring you off that straight path that we think we have to have, you know, when we're when we're coming out of school or when we've been taught to be in school that you know, school, then university, your ideal life should be just that direction. So bringing in your side of things, your skills and your connection wise, 
that can bring you in different ways, right? And you can meet just one person, even if it's on your trip abroad, which I'm sure you met lots of different people, that can change where you're thinking as well or where you're going. So I think it's a really interesting thing to bring into the conversation right now. And basically, yeah, we're told to, to pick a lane, don't deviate and, and make sure you get to that destination. And that's finally retiring. <laughs> oh my God, yeah, how yeah, exciting. Right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but during that, like motivations change and well, they should, especially if you get experiences like you did and like what we've done, both myself and Tom and, and learning from people and gathering people. And that's the best way to do it. So how do you think about that and how... How is there beauty to be found along this career that shouldn't be straight? It should be more twisty. Like I know a few guys back home, and I've always I've watched them always with the, with the deep curiosity, uh, who went down the straight and narrow. You know, mm. who high school, college, junior job at bank, senior job mm. at bank, but then it suddenly what I've noticed is it it, the, so it stops there. The buck stops there, mm-hmm. and and why does it stop there? because they're useless on any leadership role, because they haven't learned anything in life, mm-hmm. you know? They have no soft skills. They have no knowledge of the world, no sense of what real work feels like. Mm-hmm. And you cannot be a good leader of people if you do not have any wisdom, like real-world wisdom to share with them. If you haven't, if you haven't worked in a blue-collar job, there's nothing you can teach anyone. I deeply believe this. So if you, if you haven't lived enough to, to, to know how to listen and how to care, mm-hmm. rather than just you know, spill out your college degree mumbo-jumbo to anyone who doesn't mm-hmm. really have a chance but to sit down and pretend to care about what you're saying, <laughs> you know, no, screw, screw the straight and narrow, screw it. Be curious. You know, curiosity, yeah, that's it, man. That's all there is. I lose that and you're done. Yeah, I mean, I'm loving that point a lot because obviously this whole, you know, the month of February this year, we want to talk about failure, but it's a bit of a tongue-in-cheek word because what we're really talking about is the perception of what failure really is. Whereas, you know, just deviating from the straight and uh, narrow path, as you call it, and exploring different avenues, if given the chance, obviously, not all of us can. Um, But like you, for example, when you were traveling and you were learning about yourself and the world, you lived on very uh, little means. And there's always a trade-off to be made here, but then what you take with you along the way, um, while you may start and stop a lot, and other people, like you said, your family might say, we've given up on him, you know, he's Mm -hmm. never going to make it. It's actually, you know, the concept of failure is one that I think we all have to start to relinquish a little bit and think about more so as learning opportunities, as just living life, really, because we only got the one. But that's the way we're brought into the world, Tom, when you think about it. We spoke about this the other day, right? We go to school, we're, we're kids, we're curious, we want to know everything, and then we're told sit down and shut up and listen to the teacher. There's only one solution, you know, and there's only one person that's going to make it in the world, in your class, like all these things. So why, how do we lose that and how do we bring it back? I love that you brought in the word curiosity because we're born like that. Look when you're a baby, look at you, Dwight, now with a four-month-old. They're already like looking around going, what is this place, you know? Why do we lose that? That's, I think, the point I'm trying to make. Absolutely. (laughs) And, you know, there's something that people don't tell you. Education sucks. <laughs> yes. It's just, it's absolute, it's, a, it's absolute horseshit. It yeah. gives you nothing but a foot in the door. But, you know, but if you're hungry and if you're smart and you're good and you're hungry again, then, you know, getting your foot in the door is, uh, is exactly what you need. So, mm-hmm. sure, you know, get, go get your education, play the game, but uh, live, try everything. 
and never turn down a proposal. Just never, ever turn down a proposal. They say, hey, you want to try this? Yes, just say yes. How's that for uh, yeah. Nancy I think Reagan? Yeah? Just I think say it's yes. a wonderful piece of advice. It depends yes. also. There's what we, we're not preaching any kind of solution. You know, whatever we talk about here is supposed to inspire you out there listening and make you reflect on your choices. You know, this wildlife of you know, trying a million different things, going down a, um, a closed road and then returning back and trying another one. It's not yeah. for everyone. And the same goes for education. We put an article out there last year that um, sort, of, sort of detailed the, the, the concept of university education, whereas a lot of people go into it for um, the theory of it, right? So you will study the topic um, that you're curious about, where you want to work, and sometimes you have to. If you want to be a lawyer, you need to get a law degree. If you want to mm -hmm. practice medicine, you need to be in med school. There's no way, no way around it. But um, to me, university is always about, you know, getting the tools um, that you need to succeed in the job rather than the theory that you can teach yourself by reading a book. It's more so about how do you use your brain? You know, does it have lots of group work? Do you work independently? So does your brain get stretched? I think that's the, mm -hmm. the important, uh, not just in by memorizing a textbook. I think that's the important bit about university. But nowadays, um, it's a tricky affair, this job market, isn't it? Because on the one hand, we need competence and defined skill set so that recruiters or hiring managers can fit us into you know their search for a specific role because you need to somehow have on paper the skills that they look for but on the other hand we are all likely to no longer just change jobs three or four times in our lifetime but actually careers and you're a brilliant example of that so you know I maintain that we can reskill technically. So, you know, think about learning how digital marketing functions at almost any time. But skills such as leadership and connecting with others, um, having our own shit together, that's skills that we must hone constantly no matter where we are. Um, you with your wild career, Duarte, what, what do you think? Yeah, you, you hit the nail on the head there, Tom. That's exactly it. I mean, obviously... Technical skills you need to learn them through conventional ways. Even if you're even if you're self-taught, and, and that's absolutely fine. And I think to a certain degree you should always be self-taught. So you it, you can't just rely on your university degree or or your high school to to teach you what you need to succeed in life. Even on the technical side, you you need to go and search for information and, and educate yourself um, in parallel. But, the, but those soft skills, those leadership skills, those human skills, you, you will not, you will definitely not get those uh, from university. You will definitely not get those from education. You will need to learn those throughout your life. And that's your real degree. Your real degree starts when you're young and it doesn't finish until you die. It's right. your, your life degree and that's how, where you learn how to be a person and you learn how to treat people around you properly. Uh, and that is more important than anything else. I, I truly believe that. Amazing. Lewis. <laughs> I could listen to you for hours, Um <laughs> <laughs> The next part we want to talk about, and I've had many of these as well through, especially my career in sport, but how to make, how failure makes you stronger or how to make a failure make you stronger as well. And the practical side of this is, um, I guess, <laughs> did I say it? Sorry, Tom, we might have to cut this out. I'm laughing at your sentence. It's really funny. <laughs> now to one of our favorite parts, let's get physical. <laughs> I mean, practical. 
<laughs> Tom's trying to put me in trouble here. Um, your career moved from from a start towards white collar to blue collar and back again. And we want to inspire our listeners to walk through life with a wide, eyes wide open, as we've just spoken about as well, looking for opportunities, which you mentioned already, always take those opportunities, which you've said. Um, can you run us through a couple more examples of how your skills, especially skills that you learned being a chef, and we spoke about that before, how how that served you in the next part of your life, which you became from running around as a chef to sitting behind a computer. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it wasn't just a chef. I, mean, I, I worked as a gardener. I, you know, I worked in a warehouse. I did, I did 18-hour shifts waiting tables uh, in, a, in a beach bar, uh, getting paid at the end of each night. So it's it's mm-hmm. all these all these really crappy jobs that I had that were extremely physical, that I got treated poorly, that had no like, you know, w- one thing, they gave me work ethic. Um, and I don't think I would never have gotten to where I am today if it wasn't for my time in the kitchen. You know, being yelled at, leaving my blood, sweat and tears on the stove. It, it taught me it taught me structure, it taught me uh, work ethics, but most of all it taught me how to run an agile team. And you, you, we hear this word, you know, it's a buzzword and you hear them, you hear it being thrown around a lot lately, but real agility, you can find it in a kitchen. Honestly, try running a gourmet kitchen for three months and then tell me about the challenges of making an operation <laughs> agile. <laughs> oh, absolutely, I tell, I tell you, we went to a, a, a uh, restaurant a few mo- few weekends ago actually and it was all open and all different types of food and it was incredible to see how well oiled it is but I can only imagine how much work it is to get to that point and that's how you'd want mm-hmm. any of your businesses or your teams to work right so well oiled absolutely and I can spot a, a poorly managed kitchen from afar especially these open planned ones I was, in a, I was in a restaurant the other day and I just, I could tell by the way people moved around in the kitchen and I told my wife at the time, you know what, our order is going to take a while. Because I can see, I can see by the way they're moving and talking to each other, this is, this is not going well. So yeah, I can spot that from miles away. And, and blue collar work, you know, it taught me about the value of a cushy desk job as well, you know, a nine to five, which gives you time and energy to spend with your family doing what you love. And don't get me wrong, you know, you, you need to love what you do. But what I, what I always say is, you know, love the form, not the content. Mm. You know, I love to run an agile team. I love being successful. I'm addicted to doing well, you know, and, and, and you, you've, if you've got that, if you've got that little spark in you, then nothing can stop you. I, always, I thought about this in very similar ways for, um, for my own career. Don't worry, I have another very probing question for you, but... <laughs> Um, I find that there's always a lot of dissatisfaction if people, um, again, the job area matters. So, if you, but even as a so, let's take doctors for example. Um, when I looked into you know because I thought about studying medicine as well, I didn't really explore all the different avenues where that can take you. I just thought about either practicing in a practice or in a hospital treating um, treating patients. But um, with a medical degree, you can do so many other things. Um, the sister of a friend of mine actually uh, worked as a doctor, was in the ER, she actually, um, and then eventually decided to, um, to also do an MBA um, on top of her um, medical degree and moved more so into the business end of things, where she felt she could have a more holistic and systemic impact on patient well-being. 
Um, you can go into research. You can go into the pharmaceutical industry if you really want to try out corporate. There's just so many different paths. And to me, it was never so critical, um, you know, what shape my job really took on. It was more so important about how could I work it, how could I feel what I was um while I was at work. So did it have high energy, high pace? Was I surrounded with people building, creating stuff that I feel energized at the end of my day? And so all the different stations that I've been through from uh, you know working in marketing advertising to now in COD to previously in communications and corporate now running my own business, changing any of these things, even if they came to an abrupt halt, uh, either by myself or because the contract um, just finished, it never felt like failure because it always allowed me to take the next step knowing how I want to mm. feel while I take it. And I think that's why this month on, you know, the concept of failure is so important for us, especially in the beginning of the year, because we all need to start to look at our careers with fresh eyes, I think. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. I, I love failure. I love to fail because it, it just, it, it sort of, it pumps me up. It makes me want to keep going. There's something oh, really... Fear. I'm sorry to... Yeah, this is just something really defeating about a big win, isn't there? I don't know. Maybe it's just me. But I always feel like, I always feel slightly, um, I don't know. I, it always lets me down a bit. I go like, oh, okay. Oh, okay. This, this, went, this went all right. What have I learned? And it's always a bit of a disappointment. Just that little bit of a disappointment inside you that you didn't fail so you don't have to go and try again. <laughs> That's I funny way it, to I think find about it. Very it. I think you should bottle that and sell that attitude yeah. because you'd be a rich man. <laughs> yeah, I think there's also mm. the fear of failure, right? We spoke about that as well a little bit. People are just even afraid to even get to that point. Like, I don't want to fail at this. Um, even though, like you said, so many learnings are coming from it. Um, you saw it, I see it a lot in sport. You know, you have players who start to play and they start get doing well and then they maybe get trials for the national team or whatever and then they just kind of drop out and you're like you wonder why but I feel a lot, a lot of it is the fear of failure and they have a dream but then they don't want to even try to get to it because if they fail they're just yeah it's not gonna look good on their family or society or their friends or you know sponsors all these things that come into people's minds to to be afraid of that and I think it's the same in a career right not taking an opportunity like for example you like picking up ahead of social media or going for that type of job you know there's always a, a fear I'm sure there's a fear inside you that maybe it won't work out but I'm going to try right absolutely and yeah, fear is you know it's a, it's a great equalizer it, it just leaves us all if when we succumb to it we're all we're all in the same in the same place and it's yeah you can't you can't let it take over because fear is just yeah yeah, no, I, I, I always managed to, to get around that. I don't, I don't know why. I always turned it into motivation. Mm -hmm. Because if you, if you succumb to fear, then you, you're paralyzed. And if you're paralyzed, you might as well just give up completely. Absolutely. Don't they say, like, you should frighten yourself every so often <laughs> to make yourself feel alive? <laughs> like watch a scary movie or something or go in the dark. I don't yeah, know. That's a good idea. Yeah. yeah, they do say that to make you feel more alive. Just give yourself a fright if you can. <laughs> So, Tom? Nothing. Take your phone. I thought you had another question. No. Huh. Is that it? Is this it, guys? 
This is Nikki not looking at her telephone, sending tickets. Sending a text no. message going, shut this down. No, no he's too more much. like, we just I'm just having... Messages. We just sent little messages like, okay, moving on to the next segment. <laughs> Sorry, I was so engrossed in talking about fear that I wasn't even looking at my phone. <laughs> or I even have the runner show in front of me and I even did just, decli- I don't know, declined to see where I was at it. Anyway, <laughs> the next part is... <laughs> We like I'm just so excited about talking about this topic with you and my mind is completely blown about some of the things you've said as well and also like connection and all these amazing things that you've spoken about. Um, it's time for the end and the best part and the bit that we always do with our guests. Over to you, Tom. I know it's so sad, but I'm absolutely going to I'm absolutely going to get back to um, what we spoke about earlier, which is getting not physical, but getting practical, <laughs> because we always want anybody who's listening to the show to go out of the episode and think, oh, this is great. I can now think or behave differently as I go back um, to my job. So, uh, Duarte, as we said uh, to you in the pre-chat, do you have one, two, maybe three really concise and practical tips for any of our listeners to think about failure in a different way in whatever station they move from and towards to uh, to just learn and get better. Yeah, 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 absolutely. You know what? Tip number one, never suppress your anger. Use it in your favor. And, and, I'll, and I'll explain to you why. Now, often in life, your friends and your family will not work in your favor. They won't. And it's hard to hear, but you need to sort of, you, you need to be prepared for that. Because they believe they know you, but they don't know you. They know mm-hmm. a part of you, and they've used that little bit of you that they know to create their notion of you. But you're the only person who actually knows what you're capable of. So sometimes in life, friends and family, they won't believe in you. And, and, and they'll dismiss your dreams as fantasies. And, and, and dismiss your aspirations as, as fiction, mm-hmm. and you, you and you'll feel anger, and you know, and and because anger is just what it is, it's sadness turned inwards. So don't 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 keep it there. Don't let it turn to depression or bring you down or make you give up. Use it to your advantage. Prove them wrong. Mm-hmm. So that's tip number one. And I think this is going to, I honestly do believe that this happens to everyone at least once in their life. They get really disappointed because someone really important to them doesn't believe that they can do it. Prove them wrong. Mm. All right, second tip, try everything. And I've said this before in this show, just everything, just fucking say yes to everything. You know, anything the world throws at you, just say yeah. Hey, you want to work on a cruise ship cleaning bathrooms? Sure, yeah, let's do it. You want to come up as a guest on a podcast? Yeah, why not? Let's do it. Just say yes to everything and stuff will happen. And then third tip, and this is something I've I've completely stolen this from just a random philosopher. This is not mine. But just use your, it's called cumulative advantage. And I loved it. Mm -hmm. You know, it's, it's about finding your momentum and never letting it go. So apparently we all have our momentum in life whether it's because we were born, you know, filthy rich or because we have something to offer that's special and unique to us, but we all have, at some point in our life, our momentum. And, and we know it when it comes, and, but often people will, you know, just ignore it, put their heads down, 
let it wash over them because they're you know like like you said Nikki because they're they're afraid just don't do it when you feel it coming seize it ride your momentum that's your, that's going to be your cumulative advantage that's it i have nothing else that's it that's it that's <laughs> that's amazing but this is somebody who's running on the philosophy that a big win is not really enjoyable, whereas to me this was a complete slam. Sorry to inform you, but you've you've outdone everybody. Um, look, thank you so so much for being on the show with us today and for your many wisdoms. We can't wait to have this episode out and up and running and hear what all of you think. So please hop over to our Instagram, Go Higher Podcast. Uh, you can find us on LinkedIn as well at the Higher Career Podcast and just chime in, find the episode let us know in the comments what you think leave us a nice review on the podcast platform where you're listening maybe even subscribe yeah. uh, it helps the show grow and get us in front of uh, like-minded people that could also benefit from uh, the brilliant wisdoms of our many guests so do i have to thank you one more time and have a good day thanks guys 